My name is Zoan Park, and I'm the host of Sarah for Ballet. This podcast is designed to highlight the diversity problem in the ballet world, and illustrate experiences from students, guests, and experts, and inspire people to advocate to limit racism and break stereotypes in ballet and the arts. Let's get started. Today we're interviewing Geraldine. Geraldine Mendoza was born in San Francisco, California, and trained at City Ballet School of San Francisco since the age of five. At age seventeen, Mendoza was invited to graduate in the Russian course at the prestigious Bolshoi Ballet Academy in Moscow, and she later won first place at the YGP San Francisco Regional Semifinals in 2011. Now she's dancing at Joffrey and has danced numerous principal and lead roles. Hi, Jerry. So glad to have you here. Hi. So we're just gonna go straight into it. And the first question is, when did you actually start to dance, and what was your journey until dancing professionally?、Um, so I started dancing at age five. My mom put me in ballet school because my older sister was taking ballet classes, and so I just like tagged along.、Um, and then yeah, so I started in San Francisco at City Ballet School. And I've been with that school until I was,、uh, I think, seventeen, seventeen or eighteen, and then、uh, my last year of training was at the Bolshoi Ballet Academy in Moscow, which was in two thousand nine. And then、uh, shortly after, I joined Joffrey Ballet as a company artist. That is really cool.、Um, I think. A lot of young dancers' dream is to dance in the Bolshoi Ballet in Moscow. So I'm curious, how was your experience there? It, honestly, I loved it. I hadn't been, I haven't been since then. So I, it's probably a lot different. I remember that I loved the energy around ballet, how serious but also like enjoyable it was. Yeah, I was just immersed in in the way. Russians viewed ballet and how it was so prestigious over there. So I, I, I loved that aspect of it, and how much people as a whole over there respected ballet. Yeah, that's amazing. So, what inspired or motivated you to be a dancer? I know you said you followed your sister's footsteps, but was there like an initial spark, like a moment when you were like, "I need to be a professional ballet dancer"? It was interesting because when I was、um, a kid. I well, me and my siblings are first generation、um, here in America, and so my parents are from the Philippines, both of them, and they didn't have a lot、um, in their childhood. So when they brought us here and they made a life for themselves, they wanted me and my siblings to have as many. You know, extracurricular activities and have such a great life and experience things that they hadn't experienced when they were children.、Um, so I was like a really busy kid, and I, I actually really loved volleyball. I wanted to quit ballet because it was very time-consuming and strict, and like I had to sacrifice time with my friends, time with my family, and so at age thirteen, I. Really seriously thought about quitting, and I had a meeting with my my mom and my ballet teacher Galina, and、uh, she was like, you know what, you can't, you you need to stick this out 
give it a couple more years and see how you feel. And so that year I ended up doing like, like big serious lead role, which was Rose and the Nutcracker. And I knew that I wanted to do this because I really liked the challenge and repetitiveness of it, of how like, you know, every time it will be a little bit different. So what are you going to do to make it work? I, I, lo- I love that aspect of it because it's never like perfect. Mm-hmm. I think that's what really, that's the like specific time in in my life where it really changed for me. And then I also like the, the motivation of it always being a struggle and it being challenging made me want to stick it, stick it out. Mm-hmm. So you talked about your spark, but what were some of the difficulties you faced as a professional ballet dancer? Difficulties? Um, I think personally for me, I had a struggle in that I would compare myself a lot to the other ballet dancers. And it's hard because, you know, naturally we're in a competitive environment and we're constantly being judged on how we look how we dance, how we even express ourselves. And I, I struggled with that a lot because I would do something and then maybe, you know, someone else would do it better. But then actually, as I have gotten older and from this past year of being in the pandemic, I'm like, you know, every person has something that they're dealing with. And so I can't judge, nor should I compare my situation with another person. And every dancer is in the company for a reason because they have something to offer. You know, I'm constantly telling myself that. And with that, I've realized that I don't even compare myself anymore to other people. And it's a a much more like healthy environment for me and for the company as well. So yeah, I think you make a really good point there. I think a lot of dancers uh, compare themselves to others a lot. Like they have better feet, they have a better body. And I'm guilty of that too, but I think what you're doing is a really healthy way of not comparing yourself to others. So why did you decide to join the Joffrey Ballet? Was there like a specific reason that you joined, uh, what you were looking for? What was the reason? Actually, it's funny because I was looking for a job and um, I was taking open class at my ballet school in San Francisco and Yuri Posakov, who is the resident choreographer of San Francisco Ballet asked me if I had a job yet. And I said, no. And he's like, go send your stuff to Ashley at Joffrey Ballet. And, you know, cause I I'm doing Don Q there next season. So just send your stuff. And so a week later I um, got a contract with Joffrey cause I had come out here and taken company class and Ashley offered me a contract after class. Um, because I didn't really know much about Joffrey when I joined. But being with Joffrey, even from my first year, I I loved Ashley's energy and how he is as, a, as an artistic director with his company. It's very family oriented and open. And I also love his ideas for the season. He He's always looking for something new. And the way he structures his repertory seasons are, I think, amazing and so wonderful to dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting that you just got a contract and you joined the company and now you like it. So you kind of touched upon this already, but what is your favorite part about dancing? 
my favorite part about dancing probably is the the challenge <laughs> um i am somewhat of a masochist where i i kind of um like the struggle of things and so obviously i have my down days where i just get frustrated and you know things aren't working but ultimately i do love the challenge of ballet um and that would probably be my number one and then secondly i just love like dancing with my friends it's so wonderful and the physicality of ballet and the emotional aspect of it is is so fulfilling so mm-hmm. yeah there it's hard to narrow it down i just love it all <laughs> yeah i think a lot of my close friends are from like dance and ballet and if you have like the same kind of passion and interest i think you form a lot of connections and friendships so have you witnessed or seen any racism and or lack of diversity during your ballet journey? You know what? I haven't personally witnessed any sort of like racial discrimination or anything like that. But I do feel like the ballet world really does lack in diversity. And I feel like especially this past year, we've seen more of an attempt and action towards really changing that notion. I feel like at least for Joffrey, we're really taking the necessary measures to to fix that. But yeah, I haven't, I personally haven't experienced any racism, nor have I seen it at Joff, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean doesn't exist in the ballet world for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So being a first-generation Filipino-American, how difficult was it to kind of, you know, break these stereotypes of a, a ideal ballet dancer? Uh, for example, ballet has this kind of white reputation, etc. You know, I, when I was growing up and training with my teacher, Galena, I, I do have to say I am blessed with my physicality and, and facility, but I never felt like any type of like barrier that I was like breaking or anything like that. I just... I was laser focused on becoming a ballet dancer and and that was it. And especially since there's no ballet history in my family or even any type of like artistic history in in my family, so I'm I'm the first person to kind of do something a little bit outside of the box. And so I never grew up really following people in the ballet. And so only in my years at, as a professional did I realize, oh, there aren't many Filipino dancers. But now I do see more and more Asian dancers coming up. And I think it's so wonderful. But yeah, growing up, I didn't feel like I personally lack representation because that wasn't really my focus. But I do think it is important for young, aspiring Asian and Filipino dancers to see that because maybe they'll be less afraid to maybe tell their parents that they want to try this out or et cetera. Yeah, definitely. I think representation is important in ballet and also everything else. Yeah. All right. So what do you think should change in the ballet world? I feel like there are some traditions that hold up today, but there are definitely some that we could really do without. Like you said, like the white type, like I think we've outgrown that. Mm -hmm. I feel like now dance is more than just aesthetic. It's about expression. It's about storytelling. 
Um, and I feel like at least with all the new ballets coming up with from new choreographers and new perspectives, I feel like we're in the right direction of changing that. And so for sure, some traditions are really great to hold on to and then some kind of need to go. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to move on to some fun questions. Who are your heroes? Okay, I'm going to be very simple with this, but I feel like my heroes are definitely my parents. Mm -hmm. um, I love that they would literally sacrifice anything for me, my sister, my brother. They would do anything for us and they have done everything for us. And I also love their humility about it too. They've never asked anything in return and they're such generous and giving people. And they're really all that I wish to be as I get older. So yeah, for sure, my parents. <laughs> That's an amazing answer. I love that. Next question is, what's something you want to learn? Like anything that could be related to ballet or, you know, just anything, something new? Um, I want to transition after ballet into a career that has something to do with interior design. I'm very interested in that. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to take like, courses and learn more about um, that specific industry but I'm also like I'm because I during the pandemic I got a kind of like a, a small part-time job with a uh, real estate firm to help them on interior design I was um, assisting and consulting on it so I'm I love anything to do with that and I love, um, I'd love to learn more about it, but I also don't want to be, um, I don't want to have a lot of student loan debt. So we'll see how we, how I get there, but. That is really cool. I would love to learn interior designing. So if you could travel to any year in a time machine, what year would you choose and why? This question, actually my friend recently asked me that this question and I couldn't figure out what year. And I think it's because if I like, you know, I think about all these, like the twenties, the sixties, the seventies, like their fashion was so amazing. And like, you see pictures of it, but then I'm like, well, people were being drafted into war and like, I don't know, I don't want to go back in that time. Mm -hmm. And so if I were to pick a year, I think I would go back to somewhere in my lifetime which is the 90s because I loved the 90s and I love I really feel like 90s babies are really unique in that we know what it's like to not really experience we know what life is without technology how life is with technology and so we kind of have a good balance what's healthy what's not yeah I think I'd say the 90s there are a lot of good things that happen in the 90s <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah I think that's so true because my generation is all about technology so <laughs> yeah but i mean it's not your guys's fault at all so that is true <laughs> so this is the last question as a first generation professional ballet dancer do you have any tips for young dancers in order to make the ballet world more inclusive representative and a safe place you know i feel like 
touching back on what I said about creating a healthy environment for yourself to not compare yourself to other people. I feel like for young dancers, I feel like try your best to be understanding of your colleague. We really don't know what's happening with whoever you're competitive with or whatnot. And just try to be open and know that everyone is going through something. And I feel like if we have that idea in our head, that will be more sensitive to people and what they're going through. Um, and I know it's hard because you're, you're probably in a new environment. I feel like try your best to stay focused, but also be open to your colleagues and make sure that you're sensitive to what through and what they're going through as well. Yeah, that's just really great advice. Well, yeah, I think that's basically it. So thank you so much, Jerry, for joining us. It was so nice having you. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a great time. Thank you for listening to our podcast. As you know, our STEP program that gives free online ballet classes to children ages 5 to 10, especially those who can't afford it, is available. All the registration for the volunteer teacher application is now closed for September to December 2021 and will open again very soon. Check out our website, stereoforballet.com to keep up with our social media. Check out our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.